In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time to get happy. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen. A fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness because happiness is a choice. And happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show, Harvesting Happiness. Lisa's going to shine a light on the well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. And as a filmmaker, psychologist, author, professor, and motivational speaker specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cypress Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. In the show, she'll also focus on military families, service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and civilian life reintegration issues. So let's get to it. Harvesting Happiness on Tugginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Good day, everybody. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, your host of Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I'm here to talk with you today, as I am every Wednesday, about happiness, well-being, and human flourishing. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, the achievement of a happy life is not only good for us, but for those around us. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to the collective flourishing of humanity on a global matter. In fact, on a global level, not global matter, in fact, happiness really matters. It comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. With that today, I'm here with our very, very exciting and unique guest. His name is Nick Askew. Nick is a filmmaker, storyteller, composer, and musician. He is the creator of Soul Biographies, which I'm going to give you the website now in case people are by their computers and are able to listen and click in the, the keypad at www.soulbiographies.com. He is the creator of the Short Word series and the Thunk Audio series. And in short, he is a, an entrepreneur, an adventurer, uh, market, former marketing executive. Welcome, Nick. Hi. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is going to be an exciting hour. Well, I heard from your intro that it's, uh, what do they say, it was kind of um, uncensored, so we can do anything. We can do anything. We can absolutely, we can, we can be free and easy here, and, the, and they can yell at me later, but they haven't yet, because the, the subject matter is such a good one, nobody can dispute it. Um, I wanted to read something that I have uh, read about you, about soul biographies, and then we'll get into what soul biographies are and kind of the, the heart of the matter. But I know one of the things that you and I do share is a uh, kindred belief in finding passion, purpose, place, and meaning in life, which is a huge part of the focus of my work. And, and in, your, in your profile, you discuss here the why of soul biographies. 
And um, I'm going to read that there are tens of millions of people looking for a deeper sense of meaning, a more meaningful connection with themselves and others. And part of your mission is to, quote, provoke the world to notice the experience of life. Yeah, I didn't write those words, actually. <laughs> I, you got that off a press release that someone wrote for me. But they, I, I gave the guys the sense of it. Um, and I guess that was the sense of it, um, and still is. Um, but I, I, I was kind of thinking about why the other day. You know? And sometimes I think that there doesn't even need to be a reason why. Sometimes you just do something because you just know that it's the right thing to do. And it's kind of beyond a, a wanting to do it or a need to do it or believing that you should do it. And I think that's probably how I started. And then I kind of cobbled together some kind of reason after the event. That's kind of, if I'm honest, that's really how it started and, and how it continues. It's kind of like I can't not do it. Um, but on the other hand, it does seem kind of important that um, to draw notice to what's right under our feet without having to create an explanation of it. Because as soon as you start to explain it in the terms of instructions and things like that, I think the experience probably goes straight upstairs to your head and, and it, it seems a little challenging to do something about. So drawing notice to something, in other words, giving an experience of it, seems such a, a more useful thing to do, which is where the camera works wonderfully. Because a camera picks up it picks up the experience, picks up people, picks up expressions and words and, and, and beyond all that as well, um, I think. I, no, I, 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 I agree with you. I, well, what I love about film as a medium for expressing this work, which it really is a calling. I mean, that's what I uh, feel from it, that you're called to do this work, that you're called to show or express some part of the human experience in real time as it happens. And uh, with, with that, the absence of really thinking about it, you're in the flow, you're in the moment, you're in that process of truly being alive and sharing that experience of the person that you're filming, their experience of being alive and what that means to them, sort of in an unabashed, uh, unedited way. Well, yeah, absolutely. And you said uh, in the absence of thinking, and that's probably the key, isn't it? <laughs> and as soon as you say, right, here's a film on happiness, uh, of course, everyone, uh, not everyone, but most of us, uh, me included sometimes, you, you look at a film about happiness and what you're doing is you're watching this film about happiness, but you're not actually really watching it. What you're doing is you're kind of watching it, uh, but part of your mind's thinking, oh, I wonder if I agree with what they're saying. What, what's the answer? What's in it for me? Where are they going next? You know, do I agree? All those kind of things. And so you're not really experiencing it fully. You're, you're kind of trying to analyze it at the same time. In other words, you're thinking about it. And I, I don't know, all the best stuff that I make is just really an extension of, I don't know, any encounter that I could have. In other words, I could be sitting there without a camera or, or anything, any kind of recording device at all. It's just two people in a room uh, or not in a room somewhere having a, a talk or a, just hanging out together. And 
there's no particular intention in the conversation. The conversation didn't need to squeeze a result out of it like it so often does. And that's where it's all hidden, it seems, you know. I'll I'll tell you one of the, um, the, the keenest observations I made after I started making films. Oh, oh. That'll be, uh, that'll be the dog. Who's that? <laughs> that'll be the dog. No, but who, what's, what's the dog's name? Uh, the dog's name is Joey. He appears in a film, actually. Only in a bit part. But he's going to appear on his own film one day. Um, I don't know what he's barking at. Probably a postman or something. Um, anyway, where was I? I was talking... Oh, yeah, one of my keenest observations, because I, I, people used to ask, you know, where do you find these people? And uh, I think I've said before, in, in a number of places, it seemed like an odd question because what people were saying is, you know, did, did I get lucky and live in a particular geographical zip code or postcode and all those great people just happened to be there? Um, but, of course, what they were really saying is I can't see them. And so it led me to kind of wonder about it for a while and come up with the conclusion today, which is, most of the conversations that we have fall into two parts. Like, um, I could be talking to you, and most human conversations go like this. What I'm trying to say is what I think you need to hear in order to, to get a result, get you to do something that I want you to do, you know. And that might be unconscious, like just kind of like me. Uh, or it might be really conscious, like hire me or something like that. But my whole conversation is about supporting this idea of myself. And, and that's really quite tedious. And it's most of the conversations we encounter, I think. You know, they're all, it's all a bit unavert, but, uh, or a bit of a, yeah, unavert. Um, but then there's a part of the conversation where that all drops away. And there's no particular need and there's no particular structure. And you're not trying to get to an answer on something or a result on something. And those are wonderfully liberating conversations. And when you have those, you get to see someone. And it's really blatantly obvious when you have them, although you almost immediately forget. And you can't even describe the encounter that you just had. You just, I don't know, you, feel, you sound like a babbling fool. Oh, you've got to go and see this guy. You know, someone said, well, well what, what, what do they do? Um, I don't know. I completely forgot to ask. Well, what, uh, what did he talk about? Can't remember, really. But what you can remember is the experience of it. And I think that's probably what I get. Well, a capture, or it's set out to capture, certainly in my films. So there's no preparation. I never read anyone's books. I never, or I seldom research. I mean, if someone does something in particular and I'm making a film about it, I might find out what they do. Um, but I don't really want to talk about that because they're going to talk about the same things that they talked about a thousand times or more and the words will lose their charge and it will be an interesting but slightly tedious conversation. In other words, they'll be talking, but they don't really mean the words or have lost sense of the words. But if you kind of just start off somewhere and end up somewhere and go wherever it needs to go, it can seem like it's rambling, but it does not feel good. And then out of that, I can make a great film.
because I can actually see the person. And, 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 so, and parts of the footage, if you like, parts of the conversation Nick, will be Nick, of the I'm first sorry to interrupt you. We're going to be going to a break in a minute, and I want to make sure that we sort of encapsulate what a soul biography is before we go to the break so people can, if they choose, while on the break, go to your website and take a look. So just in a nutshell, give us the 10-second uh, blurb of a soul biography. I think it's probably described in soul biography. There you go. I've tried so many times to describe them. At the moment, I think it says soul-shaking short films, and they probably would shake your soul if you paid full attention to the characters uh, without your mind wandering off. But uh, soul biographies probably does it. Okay, soulbiographies.com. If you have a chance, have a look. Have a listen, have a feel, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes with Nick Askew of Soul Biographies, and we'll get more into the questions of connecting with one another. We know that life is tough, and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how. On Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet.com. Part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events, and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears, just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune in to Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us. For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleO'Dell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. And we are back with Nick Askew of Soul Biographies. Nick is a very interesting man. 
Nick tells stories. He tells stories through film about what it means to be human. He shares people's uh, stories of, of, of their lives, who they are, in a very intimate black and white film format. And I wanted to talk more with Nick about this sort of this uh, speed date with the soul that we were chatting about on the break. Welcome back, Nick. I've never, ever heard it described as a, a profound speed date. <laughs> as obscene. <laughs> like, I like it. I might just stick it up there just for a while. But then once again, you know, the words will mean something to someone and absolutely not to someone else. So in the end, I might as well take the words down. In fact, the press release you've got, which was from a while ago, uh, isn't up on the site. It's just kind of confusing, I think. Because cause what people seem to want is they want the story about me. And that just, ah, it's just that's just a story. And in fact, when... when when I, what, what I recognize when I started making films and continue to make films, and I'm working out what bits do I put in the film? You know, what's, what is someone? Uh, you know, we have a conversation and I can hang out with people for a long time, and there's all sorts of stuff. In fact, I've got a film um, coming out, I might put it out next week or the week after, a kind of quite a well-known lady, 75, called it Free Spirit, because that was my sense of her. And... We have this, I can remember the experience of the conversation. I couldn't really remember what went on, but of course I had the edit to look back in. And she was, you know, uh, she was really intrigued as to why I chose what I did. And, and she was kind of delighted, which is fantastic. Um, but I got the sense of what I saw in front of me. And what I remember of it is the same as nearly every single time I film someone, which is the words really have nothing to do with it. Um, you can hear really interesting words from someone, um, but they don't mean anything. They're just words, and they send you up to your head, and you miss everything because you're stuck there with these concepts, which can be useful in some respects. But what is important is how someone is when they're saying them. Are they actually there when they're saying them? And you absolutely know. Everyone knows when someone's there saying them. Like, uh, you, you see a, the, the, the TED conferences, I remember, you know, many are very interesting, the talks, but occasionally you get someone saying something for the first time or saying something in a particular, fa um, in a particular fashion, in a particular way for the first time. And those are the ones that really make you feel and really engage you and you can't quite work out how. But it's not that difficult. It was just someone was there with nothing in the way. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it is. So if there's something in the way, like, I like this concept of, uh, although it's never, not even just a concept, it's just, just a reality. If, if I'm sitting there with someone and there's a camera or there's another camera, if there's nothing in the space in between us, and what I mean by that is, you know, judge, judgment and opinions and needs and all those kind of things, then there's the most wonderful experience to be had. If there's stuff in the middle, which there quite often is, then I can't see someone. And then someone can't see someone on one of my films or just make an interesting film uh, about something. You get an awful lot more views, I would think, because you can make it about the most, you know, interesting, dramatic subjects. But drama is highly overrated. Um, <laughs> Tell, that that it is. It's Tell that to my kids. Tell that to my teenager. It's just boring. You know, I've, I've filmed people who told me, you know, obscene stories and really personal stories and stuff, but they were, they were just not useful to anyone, really. 
but that was my opinion, I guess. But that it, all it would do is serve to entertain someone for a short period of time, and then it would the experience would go, you know, and 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 it didn't really help anyone. And so I tend to avoid those things. Um, and but there, there's a place for drama. It's great, you know. It, it entertains and. Uh, and sometimes life's a bit full on and you need the distraction and stuff, but I don't choose to do that. Um, and, you know, it's a bit like someone asking you, well, what do you do then? Who cares? I mean, <laughs> you, I remember you, when we started out, you you read something off this thing that had been written a while back, I think probably 18 months ago. Oh, God. I mean, I did, of course I knew who you were talking about, but it didn't seem that familiar to me. Even even when you say, oh, Nick's the creator of soul biographies, it doesn't really seem that familiar to me. Um, and I can't really explain why. Well, you know, what I hear you say with, with this work is that there's a certain element of uh, the work coming through you in a way, and I don't mean in a sort of woo-woo out-there, uh, uh, new-agey way. I mean, you, you, this idea comes to you, of how you want to, or you think you want to present your take on the world, which is through film, which is through this this black and white um, these short pieces. But what you say that is the most meaningful to me is about you know there's there's nothing that gets in the way between you and the person that you're having this conversation with that the that the masks are taken off, and for whatever amount of time you know whatever few minutes or period of time you're with them. That's all that there is. Yeah. And, and that's, I've, that's uh, glorious, actually, because it's... Yeah, it's wonderful. It's amazing. Like, there's nothing in the way. But the thing is, there is nothing in the way that can't just disappear in the flicker of a moment. In fact, I was asked to... still got to do it, actually. I was asked to write or make a film on something for a, a great site called Life by Me. Um... And every day someone writes, I don't know, I think you've got 300 words to write about what's meaningful to you. And um, that was kind of interesting to me. At first I thought, oh, this will be easy. And the more I thought about it, which is probably a sign, um, <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more complex it got. It's like, what on earth am I doing this for anyway? And I kind of thought on it, and then I thought, of course, I thought, oh, I've got to have loads of film material. I'll make a great film. That'll be cool. And the more I thought about it, I couldn't do that either. And then, so I just sat on it for a long time, and I'm still sitting on it. I suppose it's, it's worth a lifetime of sitting on, really. You wonder about it, and you'll never really get to an answer, but the best case I could come up with at the moment, what's meaningful, and therefore why do I even bother with this? You know, why is it important to me, was this sense that I get of m- mo- everyone feeling alone. In other, and what I mean by alone is, you know, alone in a crown, disconnected. But even when I say disconnected, there's loads of connotations with that. So, yeah, but alone. So I just walk around everywhere and get the sense through hanging out with people that people, you know, myself included, sometimes feel alone, like pointless. It's really awful. It's an awful feeling which you you don't often let yourself feel 
but it's there underneath it all. And But what I sense when I'm filming someone, for example, or I'm in a conversation, is that there's nothing in between. There's nothing in that space. And, and all I can really think is like, well, we're not alone at all. We're so connected you wouldn't believe it. But you can't explain it. And it is not, it doesn't lend itself well to a concept. But it doesn't have to lend itself well to the experience of a character on film, which captures just what's there if you don't put too much on it, if you don't put special effects, and which everyone in Hollywood jokes about with my films. Couldn't you just, like, put one explosion or, you know, something on it? Um, but no, I make them really simple. So there's little in the way. But there's nothing in the way, you're not alone. So what I would hope soul biographies or, you know, these, not all, but, you know, some for some people at some time, what I'd hope they actually do is, is they, well, I never thought of this actually, they dissolve, they dissolve the space between the viewer and the person there. So you're just kind of looking at this character which you're intrigued with and you're drawn in because you took the time to pay attention. But in the end, without thinking, you're thinking, that's me. Yes, and th- so ends the separation, at least for that moment. You yeah. don't see yourself as uh, standing off in the sidelines, that you really are in this person's circle, in, in their world, engaged engaged with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and, and if you notice it once, you're going to notice it again. You know, not just on a film, but you'll notice it everywhere. You notice it in a conversation. You start to notice... Like the bits that get in the way, you know, you're, when you start talking about yourself. I remember that, I remember that experience um, of, you know, having a conversation, but then you've got this sense that you were really kind of just waiting your turn to talk and talking about yourself, and that gets in the way. That fills up the space in between you and another and, uh, and is a monumental pain in the arse. Um, <laughs> well, it just is, isn't it? I mean, you might not recognize it or admit it, but it's a monumental pain in the ass. It just gets in the way. And uh, But if you realize it is a monumental pain, then you, you can like, oh, I won't bother with that. And then you don't need to go anywhere. Really. You don't need to be anyone else and you don't need to be anywhere else. And it, it becomes all a lot more peaceful. Still full of challenges and, you know, all those kind of things that people always talk about. But... Well, you know, we, I hate to interrupt you to, to hear myself yeah. talk, but we, we, do have a, we do have a monumental pain in the butt coming, which is to go on break, because there's a moment here uh, about intimacy that I want to carry on with uh, when we come back from the break, because really what these are are these highly creative moments of intimacy that are stunning, that we don't always allow ourselves to access because we are wearing the mask or arm, keeping ourselves armored up or covered in layers. Okay, well, let's hope there's some suitable um, advertising in the break, hey? <laughs> well, I, just I can't to... hear it, of course, so no, no, no. tell well, me what... We are not on the break. We are going to the break, but I wanted to give sufficient time to warn that the break was coming. Uh, not so much to hear myself talk, but to not <laughs> startle the All right, well, if you, if you run out of advertisers, I'll play the guitar for you. <laughs> oh, play the guitar. That's the perfect way to end and go off to break. Struck away. I don't know what to play, though. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how I play the guitar to the film after. Here, here we go on the break. We'll be right back. Right, okay. Skip cell biographies. <laughs> We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cyphers-Kamen on Toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad, the Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. Everybody in the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The week Wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Multi-ethnic church with Mark DeMoss. Thursday afternoons at 1, noon Central is a show that passionately addresses the question, if the kingdom of heaven is not segregated, then why on earth is your local church? They call us Yes, increasingly, our diverse population and the diverse families it's producing is reshaping the face of the local church as people are beginning to recognize the power and beauty of walking, working, and worshiping God together with others of different backgrounds. How can your church overcome the obstacles, and why should you even try? Join a live chat with guests from around the country and the world to learn the effectiveness of churches in the 21st century beyond race and class distinction. This show has its pulse on what it will take for the church to find real reconciliation in our generation. So tune in for the Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoss, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, here on toginet.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back, everyone. This is Lisa Cyphers-Kamen, your host of Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I am here today with Nick Askew, who is a docu- not documentary filmmaker. He is an art filmmaker, is what I would call him, of the Soul Biographies uh, film series, which really, in a nutshell, is all about capturing the experience of being human. And before we went on the break, we were touching upon what happens in the filmmaking process to both Nick and the person that he's working with, or in the viewing process of the person who is later looking at that film and seeing that the, the layers that lie between 
us and them or you and me have been taken away. Welcome back, Nick. Hi. 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 Um, yeah, you, you mentioned the word intimacy, which, of course, being like a 220-pound guy who used to play a lot of rugby isn't one of the most comfortable words. Um, oh, by the way, rugby is a game a bit like American football, but without <laughs> the padding. All the breaks. Um, are you still there, by the way? I am here. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm... <laughs> right, yeah. You went... It went horribly silent. I thought, yeah, I know there's, there's not censorship, but maybe I've just stepped over the line with a comment about American football. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know how passionate, you know, living in America, I know how passionate people get about it. Um, but I, I'm just looking, if people ever if went to the site, it's soulbiographies.com, you know, Ferris Films flash up, and there's a huge library there. Actually, it's growing. And I probably made about 100 of these things. Maybe about 60 are playing at the moment. Um, and they're all what, maybe one minute to ten minutes, something like that. And on the front, the, the, the first big image that comes up is uh, a film I made called Portrait of a Human Being. And that was an odd one. Well, they're all pretty odd, or lots of them are pretty odd, in the fact that someone had been watching a whole stack of my films on someone's iPhone in the back of a car driving from, El Sal- uh, from Panama to El Salvador. That's pretty random. And they saw these films, and then they called me up from the back of the car and said, would you, would you make a film and capture my dad? It's his 60th birthday. And I'm not sure why, but I went, okay. And I flew down to El Salvador, um, and the film you see as a result. It was actually a commission, but it ended up as a soul biography. And the guy, because it was a surprise, he didn't know who I was. Um, his, name, his name is Carlos Enrique. He didn't know who I was. His, his, his daughter had said, oh, there's this journalist guy who wants to talk to you, and that was it. So I pitched up at his house with my huge kit, which is all in one bag. Um, I used to just travel with one bag and a tripod, which now I've managed to clap into that one bag. Um, and so there's no crew, there's no lights, you just use the natural light. And we just kind of drank coffee for 20 minutes, joked around, set the camera up, keep on chatting away about everything and nothing in particular. And then he just kind of looked at me. He didn't ask anything. He didn't know my second name. He didn't know what the project was. He didn't know who I was a journalist for. Of course, I'm not a journalist. Um, He didn't know what I was doing there. And then that film happened. Then he just told me that story. Uh, And uh, lots of other things as well. But it was bizarre to me at that time because this, this was a few years back. Within about three minutes, he'd completely dropped everything and broken down and told me this thing that obviously needed telling in some respect. And I had no idea what was coming. I didn't even know what we were going to talk about. And that was amazing to me. And it was kind of, you know, I continue to, to wonder about, God, how do people do that? How, how do people just drop everything without knowing someone or, or what, it, what it's for? I mean, for goodness sake, this is a film. And... Anyone can see it. And I've only ever had one person on a, a soul biography asked, uh, outside of commissions asked to see a film before it goes out to the general public. Ever. 
yet people will just tell the camera or this space things that they never almost dared say to anyone else or themselves or anyone. And so they're kind of wondering about it and talking about it for the first time. And that's wonderfully liberating for anyone that sees it, but also for the person and also for me. And so you talk about intimacy. There's just like this space. It's like, wow. And you, you being a filmmaker, you'll know this as well. And um, the, the best we weapon, weapon's an awful word, the best um, thing, that's a better word, thing, um, the best thing that you can do is just keep completely quiet. And if someone is feeling really uncomfortable, just, I don't know, just be there. Is it to say nothing. And sometimes there can be a minute silence, which seems like a lifetime. But something's waiting to come out. Something, you know, we're always trying to fill the space with words, for goodness sake, or something, you know, because it's a little bit scary, you know, just silence and the kind of, oh, my God, what do I say? I want to say this, but do I dare? You know, all that kind of stuff. But if you just wait, it just comes out. And it might not even come out in words. It can come out in an expression or a tear or a smile or, or in anything. And the wonderful thing is the camera captures it. And because the camera captures it, it can pass it on. So it passes this intimacy on. Um, and it doesn't make any sense if you really try to describe it, I don't think. You have to experience it, which is one of my challenges with soul biographies you know people once people see them it's like oh my god you know i can see another person can be like that phew uh, what a relief <laughs> you know now i can turn to someone else and be like that but if you can't see a point in it in the first place you probably wouldn't pay attention you know Absolutely. if it's not a film about becoming happier or you know in other words with some answers on how to become happier or richer or all those things that we presume that we need you know why would you set out and spend the time um but, but it's there right i mean the the the, the 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 concept of being happy let's take that one because it's uh you know the 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 realm that i work in it's there i mean it's it's within each and every one of us, and that is where film is such a fantastic medium for, you know, facilitating someone to access it within themselves, to just stop and to just be. And the, there are no uh, boundaries in that moment of, the, of them just being. They just get to share something. That, and they know what to say, and they know what it is that puts a smile on their face and makes their heart sing. And... It's just giving them the opportunity to express it. And maybe that is what is so profound about the intimacy that's created within a soul biography is yeah. you're just, it's, it's like a vessel for somebody to just express some part of themselves that they may not have known was even there. Yeah, but it can happen through anything else as well. You know, it doesn't need just to, a film's a good way because a film ties up all your senses, you know, not all your senses. Well, I haven't worked out the smell bit yet, but it ties up a lot of your senses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that will come one day, you know, scratch and sniff Max or something like that. Um, oh, dear. But, <laughs> it, but it, I know, awful concept, um, but I'm sure they're working on it. Um, it. It ties up your senses, but... But if you pay attention, anything can, you know, a single sentence. You know, I, I often play around with single sentences. I just wonder, you know, words are great. I don't read many of them, but I write quite a lot of them. Um, and, you know, it's amazing what you can do in just, um, with just a few words. Sometimes one word said in the, at the right time in the right, 
in a, the right in, in the right vibe, if you like, if you, if you the right meaning. You know, um, I don't know whether it's something like uh, I remember writing once, and which made me feel great because this is what I was doing at the time. I, I was writing, drinking good coffee and spinning in the depths of a dream because that's what I was doing. And it's like, okay, well, I can only experience that because I was already experiencing it, so I'm not really sure how it was for someone else. But if you were caught by surprise and and not drinking awful, you were drinking awful coffee and were so far from dreaming, um, it might do something for you. So just simple words can can do it as well, or photographs, or or just an encounter with someone else or with nothing, sitting on your backside wondering which is I do a lot of. I wonder and play my guitar, or I wonder and I walk my dog, or I wonder and make up games. Um, How has... remember, I remember I... Um, I went, well, why did I write this? I wrote this... Uh, I got this series called Short Words, and it's up on the site as words, and I write these things, and I guess uh, it's probably poetry, but that's a bit of a funny word, given that I don't own a book of poetry or I've never really read any, but I just... It really came out of the film. So I used to write words, but all the films actually have... Oh, I didn't mention this. The films have questions in. And I'm not really sure how that came about, but it just seemed like a good idea. Questions or statements or something like that. And they're very slow. I mean, the pace is very slow, so it gives you the chance to wonder about it. And out of the screens with the words on, and of course you can't fit that many words into a screen, came this short word series. And I was thinking about this... um, in fact, what we were doing, I'm pretty sure we were, we, we do a lot of sofa jumping in our house. We jump because we've got a, lot, a whole stack of young kids. And I don't, we got one sofa that we're not allowed to jump on. Although, to be honest, when we're not looking, I know they do. Um, <laughs> and, and then we've got this other sofa, um, and the, the, the blue sofa, which everyone jumps on. I mean, any kid comes into the house, everyone's jumping on it. It's huge. came from London, where I came from. And, and the sofa you can't jump on comes from New York, where my wife was with it. And, and so we got London and New York. So you can jump on London, but you can't jump on New York. And that's oh, not, that's funny. That's not metaphoric, by the way. So we were all jumping. And then I thought, oh, man, I just pictured this person who wanted to be, let's call it happy, and I call it the boy who would leap. I'll just read it. It's not many words. Well, we are going to go to a break. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought until we get to the break because we're coming, we're slipping into one of those pains in the butt pauses. And then not, um, not is how you can No, show. we're joking. We're having fun. <laughs> but what's good is we get to talk on the break further. So I, I, I get right. to have a, a two minute soul biography with you, <laughs> which is okay, terrific. Cool. <laughs> um, but we'll come back and we'll talk about the uh, London, New York sofas and the poetry and the music and how this work has personally affected you is the question I want to ask in your level of spirituality and intimacy. We'll be right back with Nick Askew on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Where is my heart? Where is my heart? We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Season Me is on Toginet, a delightful, thoughtful, serious, and not-so-serious call-in show with Cecil Murphy and Twyla Belk. Tuesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. 
You know Cease is the veteran author from 90 Minutes in Heaven, Gifted Hands, When a Man You Loved Was Abused, and many other books, as well as a mentor for writers. And Twyla Belk is an effervescent force known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal. She's also a writer and motivational speaker who's always bragging on God. For more on Cecil Murphy, go to his website, Cecil Murphy, that's P-H-E-Y dot com. And for Twyla, GottaTellSomebody.com. The show, Cease and Me, is a far-reaching, faith-based, shared conversation and call-in show with questions welcome. A chance to get everything out in the open. From questions about writing, to surviving sexual abuse, to the topics of the day. All from a Christian worldview to help you. Cease and Me, Cecil Murphy, Twyla Belk. Tuesday evenings at 8, 7 Central on Toginet.com. Part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Nick Askew, the creator of Soul Biographies. And Nick is a very unique filmmaker and storyteller who connects with people in the most intimate ways for a short period of time and I think reveals, from what I can see, their essence by just Sounds connecting. Like Oh, no, 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 no. This is, <laughs> welcome back, Nick. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tooting your horn in a, in, a, in a soulful way here because I've watched some of these and I see the, the beauty in these short clips, which can be found at www.soulbiographies.com. And really, it is about, you know, revealing or sharing the intimacy with another uh, in a free, unencumbered way, and how that is life-altering, how it gives us permission to be authentic and realize that we are all okay in this, in this human experience together. Um, before we went on the break, we were talking about a poem and your two sofas, the New York-London sofas. Yeah, London and New York. Um, and, yeah, so we used to jump on this blue sofa, and I just had this idea, and this is tends to be how it is. You just suddenly you get this image of a person. Well, I, sorry, you. I get this image of a person and a predicament that they face or something that they feel. And that seems to be how I write. Uh, and also sometimes even make films. But the, so I wrote these words and it was called The Boy Who Would Leap. So um, I suppose I should play the guitar in the background. That's what I normally do. Someone once asked me actually whether I play the because I have my own guitar on all my films, or most of my films. 
and someone asked once asked a question, and I, I'm, I'm not sure whether they were joking. They said, "Do you play the the guitar throughout the filming?" You know, they thought I sat there w with my guitar on my lap, just kind of playing and listening. And I thought that was quite amusing, but actually, it's not a bad idea because it it kind of works. It it does something. Um, mm. And so, but I won't play the guitar because I probably can't play the guitar and read at the same time. Anyway, that said, this is called The Boy Who Would Leap. I've got it. So, here you go. He's somewhere between 30 and 40, perhaps 50, maybe 60. He wants to play without prescription. He wants to stamp and to stomp and to run and to leap from chair to chair. He wants to shout and to scream words he just made up at the top of his voice and not to look at who's looking. He wants to tell his best friend it's okay to make believe and to tell, him, and, and to tell his parents that he loves them. Perhaps he will tomorrow. That was the end. <laughs> that was beautiful. That is beautiful. But it's just this idea of, you know, just someone who's of this indiscriminate age but kind of lost sight of... You know, that, that it's okay to dump on sofas occasionally. Dump from sofa to sofa, play pirates, if you ever had that game in the States. We have lots of objects and you can't touch the floor. And you can just run around and make an awful lot of noise, shout at the top of your voice in words that you just made up. And, and don't really mind, as long as you're not damaging anyone or yourself. That's probably not a good thing, but it's okay, especially on the London sofa. Um, <laughs> and it's like... Wow, so this is the idea of this character. So you can write about these characters and everyone sees something if they care to look of, of, of one of these characters in themselves, as in the films. You, I mean, imagine if you went to the Solberg's library for the first time and you scan down the library where it says 50 plus films on, on the site and, and you see this face and it's just kind of shouting out at you, watch me, watch me, and, and you go in and you're completely, you know, you... you, you as I give you, I can't remember what words I put on it. It was like, shut off the world. Don't attempt to watch if you've got lots of things going on, but, but play it full screen and watch it. And imagine if you were taken by surprise. Mm. Like real surprise of, a, of someone who's like, it's, they're speaking not to anyone else, they're speaking to you directly. And I, and I think that's, mainly the experience of a lot of people anyway. That's, I get, you know, people writing and, um, and saying that, you know, God, I was like, how did you know that? And, you know, that I watched this today and dot, dot, dot. Um, and maybe it just, I don't know, if nothing else, it just gives you the courage to go, well, oh, I don't know, maybe I can, maybe I can be a little bit like that. Maybe I can be with someone and not put up the guards just for a moment, see what happens, notice what happens. Uh, and maybe I'm just entertained, and that's enough as well. Um, or maybe I thought it was absolute rubbish, but then, like, a week later, I thought, well, I thought it was rubbish, so I'm going to go back and look at it again. I don't know. I can never make a film for someone. Like, if I set out to try and make an effect in the world... Yeah, this is a good point, actually. If I set out to change the world... In fact, I probably ought to redo that. PR release, which isn't in the public yet. I can't remember what you said when you read it, but it was about, you know, I'm setting out to make people notice or something, but I couldn't ever do that. All I can do is what I do, and how someone else cares to experience it is absolutely their business, 
might not get it at all, might go completely over their head, um, or it might go straight into the into their soul. I don't know. Not know my, I'm sorry. Not my didn't mean to cut you off, but it made me think of the, these words, you know, ha-ha made you look. That it's just, it, it's the, the provocation that, you know, ha-ha, I made you look. Uh-huh. I, 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 I made you question. And that, uh, to me personally with my work, gives me tremendous satisfaction that at the end of the day, to hold the position of wanting another to hold my view is not important. It's provoking the other person to grapple with their own view in the mirror and that they become uh, satisfied with what they see and feel in life. Yeah, and at the same time, you get the chance to do it yourself the whole time. Exactly. (laughs) The whole of life is just one big wonder. (laughs) You know, like, just wondering about stuff the whole time, knowing that I probably won't get to an answer, and if I get to an answer, you know, specifically on some of the deeper stuff, you know, I can be sure of one thing, probably, and that's that I'm not right. Because it continually moves, um, and you know, so the, this need for certainty is is an odd thing because you can't. You, you think you got it sorted? Sorry, you. I think I get it. I've got it sorted, and then I can be sure as anything that you know, in a few days or weeks or months or whatever, I realise that I absolutely haven't. And I haven't really got a clue. And the more I hang out in this world and hang around with people and listen to what they really say and wonder about stuff, the more that I know that I don't know. Um, and and uh, that's okay, actually. It's like I'm not looking for an answer. Um, I wrote a piece, and I, I, I couldn't, to be honest, put my hands on it. And it was called... a something to do with certainty, but its sense was all my life I was looking for certainty. It it wasn't that. There was a stage in my life I was looking for certainty, and that was the certainty of the outcomes of the events of my own life. And then I realized that there was no certainty apart from the fact that there's one thing that could be certain, and that was that it's all okay, that there's something that would never die. Mm. And that's something you can't you, you can kind of get a sense of it. You can't prove it. Um, you can't tell someone and hope that they understand. Um, well, you can hope that they understand, but it's not understandable. None of this stuff is understandable. Happiness isn't understandable, really. You can't do a course on happiness. Well, I suppose you probably could do a course on happiness, and it might have an impact, but you can't guarantee that someone's going to be happy. I, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you. You, you. you cannot teach the essence of happiness because we all, we all know what that means individually. To, to I know, you know, the person sitting across the room knows. We all know what that means. It's about accessing it and giving ourselves permission to experience it, I find, that is where people get tripped up. Yeah, it, and it has nothing to do and nothing, 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 nothing to do with things, ever. Yeah. And I know that's a well-known, a well-written-about thing, but, you know, from my perspective, and I've got to make more films on this, I've shot some. I, I shot a film which I've been promising to make for a long time called The Fisherman's Tale, and I spent a wonderful time in a, in a village in the Pacific coast of Guatemala. 
with this uh, amazing set of people, the village, who were poor as church mice. If church mice are poor, I imagine they probably are. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that one came from. I'm not a religious fellow. But, um, but poor as church mice, they, they really had no money to rub together, but they were fishermen, and they used to go out every morning and like fish for what they wanted and come back, and they used to hang out with their family and, you know, have a real laugh. And I caught that on film. Like, they let, they let me and my mate Edwin go and hang out with them and spend time with them. Didn't speak Spanish, but didn't matter because I got the sense of it. You know, they weren't, they had all these really, if you looked at it with the wrong eyes, you would think, oh, God, what a hard life. You know, you have no, there's no concrete here. It's all dirty. It's all dirt. They did live in huts, but it's really hot there, so it doesn't really matter. Their clothes are all ragged and torn. But they're sitting there with such a sense of ease with each other and laughing and playing guitar and singing in brackets, not very well, but that didn't seem to matter. Um, and, you know, the, the, the kids were chasing the chickens and the chickens were chasing the kids. Well, they weren't actually, but they could have been. And the dogs were all, you know, mangy and just hanging about and no one really worried about the dogs hanging about and scratching bits that you probably shouldn't seen, be seen scratching. And it was an amazing place and it was an amazing experience. And so... We... It had nothing to do with the things. There was this sense of peace and joy and all the things that we write about and want to read about and seem to want. And yet you can go to another place. You know, Nick, I'm Nick I hate to interrupt you. I hate to, inter Nick, I hate to interrupt you, but we are, we are really running out of time. You are such a masterful <laughs> uh, storyteller and such a, a great guest. I would love to have you back in the next uh, two, three months, and we will continue with this. We actually had a caller, and I was trying to get in there to get the caller to ask the question. So, Ivory, thank you for calling, and please keep keep following the show. And Nick will be back at some point in the future, and we will continue um, soul biographies. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. A pleasure. I I I always forget to say this, but um, and I I probably probably should. Uh, at soul biographies, you can. I do. I have since two thousand and five pretty much emailed a film out every Monday. Um, oh. But you're, you're very welcome to join the list and get a film from me on a Monday. I'm oh. going to join that list, www.soulbiographies.com. Thank you, Nick Askew. A big happy hug from me to you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Take care. Thank you. Have a great day. And thank you, everyone at TogiNet that makes me look and sound good every week. We'll do this again next Wednesday morning at 10, 11 Central here on TogiNet.